Welcome to the Sawyer Highlands and Converge Community Church Sermon Podcast. This is Season 2 with a brand new series on the book of Daniel. Each week we will upload the sermon that was preached during the Sunday morning service at our New Buffalo campus in hopes that it will serve you well during the week. So sit back, relax, and may you be encouraged by the great hope you have in Jesus Christ as you listen to the preaching of God's Word. Welcome. I, I mentioned this earlier, but if you didn't hear it, uh, there's a connect card in your bulletin. We love to pray for you. If you have a prayer request, um, you can turn it into that offering box over there, and uh, we'll be praying for you. And thanks so much for being here. If you're online, tuning in online every day, we, or we have like 50 views every week. It's pretty awesome. So it's maybe 100 people or more tuning in. If you have a prayer request, feel free to email our office or write that in the chat feature online. So we're glad you're joining with us. In preparation for this morning, I was reminded of some trouble I got into as a kid. I hung around in the neighborhood, and I learned some vocabulary that my teachers didn't teach me. And I, I knew that it was not necessarily a good thing when I told my mom and uh, her reaction, and uh, maybe you know what this is. It's a bar of soap, and so she had me suck on it for a while. Um, I don't know if that ever happened to you. Um, it certainly deterred me from using those curse words um, that, she, that I learned in the streets, uh, in front of her at least. And that's what I thought of when I thought of, of the word curse. That's what I thought of when I thought of the word curse. Um, in, in some places of the world, that's what people think, right? But there's other connotations of the word curse, and we're going to be talking about that today when we get into Scripture. And my mouth is going to taste like soap for the rest of this time. <laughs> Um, so, you know, we went to, Lou and I and a number of us went to Haiti, and they have a different view of su- the supernatural. And if you've been to South America, Central America, Africa, Asia, there are different views of the world where they see things a little differently, and the word curse means something different. People pay big bucks to predict the future, to, to try to find, you know, what's the cause of some sickness, an ailment. They seek a blessing, or they want to invoke a spell, a curse, and this happened in biblical times as well. God condemns sorcery and witchcraft, but he does see there's true prophets out there. There's true prophecies and oracles and blessings and curses. Last week, Pastor Mike talked about blessing God. He spoke thousands of years ago to a man named Abraham, and maybe you, you tuned in and you checked that out, and you heard that his message, this blessing to Abraham that he would be a great nation, there'd be a land, and that he'd, through him, all nations, all families of the earth will be blessed. God was doing something extraordinary in this pronouncement. It wasn't some wistful thinking. No, it was true and real, and this old man who was 100 years old, and his wife who was 90 years old would have a, a baby, and through that baby, he would bless, God would bless all the nations, all the Gentiles. God would do what he said. And, and those who bless Abraham would be blessed, and those who dishonor him would be cursed. The first time, I looked this up, and we did a, I did a word study. The first time that the word curse is mentioned, or blessing is mentioned, actually, that comes first, is in Ch- Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. God blesses Adam and Eve. 
And when he blessed them, he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. 128. The first time God mentions the word curse is in chapter 3. You probably remember the, the fall of mankind. Adam and Eve disobey. He first curses the serpent. And then he goes to Eve, and he curses childbearing, and, and he curses uh, her marriage, the institution of marriage. And then he goes to Adam, who sinned as well, and he, he cursed work, and he cast them out of the garden. And they suffered the, the decay and loss and future, their future death as part of punishment. And immediately they were spiritually dead. But all was not lost. You get out of chapter 3, you go to chapter 4, and you read right away that God blessed them with a child. You hear that they had Cain. And then they had another child, Abel. Time passed, and sin grew. And Cain became jealous of his brother Abel, and he killed his brother. And we see the word again in chapter 4, verse 11, that God cursed Cain. Time passed and sin grew and things went from bad to worse. There was evil in the world like no other and God decided to restart the whole thing. You might remember Noah. He finds a righteous man, Noah, and his three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. He restarts. Time passes. And Ham sinned this time. And Noah cursed his family. A few chapters later, we arrive at the blessing that is referred to in Galatians chapter 3 in chapter 12. And we read this, chapter 12, verse 3. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Centuries later, God fulfilled part of that promise. Abraham's people had grown as many as the stars of the heavens. They're, they're wandering in the wilderness, seeking this this promised land. It was not that far away. In Sunday school, we talked about it. Someone looked it up. I think, Todd, you looked it up. It was like 11 days. They're right there. Out of, out of Egypt, just get to Israel. That's where they got to go. It's called Canaan there. Let's get there. But time passed, and their sin grew, and so God punished them by taking this 11-day journey and expanding it to a 40-year death sentence. God wouldn't let the, that older generation enter as the people drew close to the border, there was another generation, the next generation. Moses is going to pass on to them a series of blessings and curses. Sharon, you, you mentioned uh, this, these chapters, and I'm going to read a few of them. It's a congregational affirmation. In some traditions, they, people read Scripture, and they, they, it's more liturgical, and there's call and response. And this is kind of what I see happening here in chapter 27. So if you want to look in your Bibles to 27, we'll get to Galatians. But chapter 27, verse 16, we won't read all of them, but there is a series of curses that they're going to call upon their people for disobeying God's law, God's rules. You remember, they're on the cusp of the promised land. These guys have been traveling for, for so long. They've seen God provide with a, a pillar of a fire at night and a pillar of cloud by day. They're wandering around. God provides them food. They have clothes that doesn't wear out. God rescued them out of slavery. He's bringing them right there, and they're looking across the river is the promised land. And Moses is giving them rules after rules after rules. Here's some curses. Here's some blessing. Here's the curses. This is, this is how they view the word curse. Verse 16, cursed be anyone who dishonors his father and his mother, and all the people shall say, amen. 
Amen means so be it. Cursed be anyone who moves his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who misleads a blind man on the road, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who strikes down his neighbor in a secret, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who takes a bribe to shed innocent blood, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them, and all the people shall say, Amen. That's pretty intense. Yeah, I skipped a few again. Could we say those? I was talking to this week, and I said, hey, what if we all said it? And one of the guy talking to me, I was talking with said, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't have people call curses on themselves. Why? It's just words. It's because these curses had, had meaning and significance. They said it. They believed it. I didn't think they, they'd fall away. Like, who wants to strike a blind man? But time passed, and sin grew. And what was said one day is forgot the next. And the nation as a whole fell. They did what was right in their own eyes. And they suffered a curse. They suffered under slavery. They suffered under exile. What's the remedy for the people of Israel? What's the secret recipe for success? How do we please God? What's the secret for us? God's people needed to turn repeatedly from their sin to God for mercy and grace. And this is a long on-ramp to set the context and the table for us to look at Galatians and understand what these people understand when we get to, when we get to these five verses. He's going to be quoting what we just read and quoting passages around it and pointing to curse and the law and to our hope. Here's this main idea. Relying on the law results in a curse while relying on Christ results in a blessing. That's simple. Relying on the law results in a curse, while relying on Christ results in a blessing. So if you have your Bibles, follow with me to Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. Diane Warnke, if you want to come up here and read for us these five verses. The year is AD 47, and Paul is writing this letter, and we're continuing on with our series. Would you start at verse 10? For all who make it's on. Okay. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Thanks. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. It gives us life and light light and hope. We need you. We love you. We thank you for taking our curse and blessing us. Thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit. 
You are so good. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Yeah, as a matter of review, let's remember where we've been. So Galatians is written by Paul to the people in modern-day Turkey. It's a church, it's a region, there's Jews and Gentiles. He was there in the beginning, and he shared the gospel, and they received it. And he left to go share the gospel with others and plant churches and encourage brothers and sisters in the Lord in the Mediterranean area. And then what happens? We read in chapter 1, some people come in to distort what he taught. They take his teaching and then add a little bit to it. They, they say, you need to follow the works of the law to be right before God. And Paul gets wind of this. He hears of this distortion. And he reminds them, he writes this letter. He reminds them what he, his message, message he gave in the beginning. And he, gave for, he said, this message isn't my message, it was God's message. And he says, what is the message? In chapter 2, he tells us what the message is. And in chapter 3, he starts quoting back to the Old Testament, saying, this message preceded me. The message was given to Abraham. The gospel by the scriptures was preached to Abraham. And here we get to the point of the letter. We've said this before. Return to the gospel of grace so you can walk in freedom with the Spirit. Return to the gospel of grace, church, so you can walk in freedom with the Spirit. He desires this church to avoid gospel drift, and we want to do the same. In verses 10 through 14, just a, just a recap, the big idea here is, is relying on the works of the law it results in a curse, while relying on Christ results in blessing. Let's look at verse 10, and we'll walk through. I'm going to structure this. We're just going to walk through verse by verse and try to understand what is it saying. Verse 10, read with me. Paul quoted Deuteronomy, the passage we just read. Hear, hear this. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it's written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and do them. So Paul picks up this word curse. He's going to bring it up five times here. It's the first time in Galatians, the only time in Galatians he talks about the word curse. Now, what he says here seems a little contradictory. You can keep that up there, Ian. Look at that. If you don't follow the law, you will be cursed. The second part, cursed be everyone who doesn't abide by all the things written in the book of the law. Look at the first part. For all who rely on the works of the law are under curse. Doesn't that seem like a catch-22? How do you do this? What is Paul getting at? Well, let's keep reading. Look at the next verse, verse 11. Now it's evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. Now that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Chapter 2, verse 16. How are we justified? By faith. Right, we're justified by faith, just like who? Abraham. We read that a couple weeks ago, or last week. Abraham was justified by faith, counted as righteous. It's not by moral purity. We need God's grace and mercy. Now, now notice, and you look at the, the, your text, if you look at it, there's quotation marks. We see this in the overhead. The righteous shall live by faith. So Paul is drawing on the Old Testament here. Sometimes he'll say, for it is written. And then you know it's, it's an Old Testament quote. Here, the translators are putting in quotation marks, so we know that this is a quotation. Where is it from? 
It's from, your Bibles might say, if you little on a footnote, it's from Habakkuk, a prophet from years before. And what did Paul see in that minor prophet from the Old Testament? He saw that moral rightness existed by faith. One lives by faith. In the next part of the verse 12, he tells us faith and law are different. Okay, look at verse 12. But the law is not of faith. The law is not of faith. What then is faith? What is faith? Have you ever tried to define faith? Well, we have scripture that teaches us what is faith, and maybe you, you memorize it in Hebrews. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's not a bunch of data and statics and facts. It's something we trust in. What is faith? Where's faith placed? It depends. For example, you're sitting on chairs, right? Chairs made out of metal and maybe there's plywood in there. You trust that that metal will hold you. That plywood won't fall apart. Those screws are screwed in. You're trusting that the law, maybe you're trusting in the law of gravity to hold you down to the ground. You're trusting in your previous experience or in your logic that helps you come to this conclusion. We trust in a number of things. What is Paul telling the people to put their faith in? Paul is calling the disciples of Galatia to distinguish between their own efforts, their own moral ability to kind of muster up enough strength to do the right thing after right thing after right thing after right thing, to put their faith somewhere else, to put their faith in God. Their reliance on God to justify them, not to do all the right things and jump through all the religious hoops. To put their, the burden of, of being right before God on God's shoulders and not their own. In the second half of the verse, we read of chapter 3, verse 12, we read a quote, another quote here from Leviticus chapter 18. The one who does them shall live by them. What is the word them? What is he referring to? Let's read Leviticus 18. You don't have to go there. I have the, the words printed out, or words on the projected here. Leviticus 18, 1 through 5. And let's find out what the them is. You probably guessed it, but let's see it uh, on paper. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the people of Israel. Say to them, I'm the Lord your God. You shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt where you lived. And you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan to which I'm bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. You shall follow my rules and keep my statutes and walk in them. Why? I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules. If a person does them, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. What is he saying? What is Paul saying drawing on Leviticus 18? He's saying, if you say you're following the rules, then do it. Don't be hypocrites. Follow the rules. How does this work then with what he previously said? If you rely on the works of the law, you're cursed. What if I fail? You know, we read that passage in Deuteronomy 27. I mean, I'm not tempted to you know, shove somebody who's blind. But did I honor my father and mother? Not all the time. So I didn't do it. So what is he saying? What do we do when we fail, when we don't follow all the rules? Well, is it that really big of a deal? 
Don't we all just mess up? To err is human, right? No. We aren't to just excuse ourselves, give ourselves a pass because we all fail. James 2.10 says this, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails at one point, so I wasn't honoring my parents, whoever fails at one point has become guilty of all of it. And if that's the case, that means I've broken all of God's laws. How about you? The fact of the matter is, the Bible says that no one is right before God. So then how do we live? What does this text say? How do we live? We live by faith. Where is our faith? Our faith isn't in ourselves. Our faith is in God. Where's our hope? The law brought death to Adam and Eve and promises that same. But then we get to verse 13 and we see the gospel come in like a ray of sunshine breaking through our cloudy day. Look at verse 13 in Galatians chapter 3. What does it say? This is lovely. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it's written, another Old Testament quote, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. What's the curse of the law? Paul was writing that a person cannot be right following the, following the law. If you try to live by the law, you're going to fail. There's a curse there. There's a curse in that. It'll condemn us. The law demonstrates we are disobedient. I, I loved what, um, Laura, you said. It, the law is like the MRI, she said. It just shows us what it is, what's going on in our hearts, what's really going on. Romans 6.23 says this, the wages of sin is what? It is death. It is death. But it keeps going on. The verse keeps going on, just like uh, giving us grace, just like verse 13 in Galatians 3. It says this, but the wage of sin is death, but the, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This verse in chapter 3 says that Jesus didn't, wasn't just cursed, but he became a curse, hanging on a tree. I thought he died on the cross. Well, trees made, or crosses are made out of trees. And it's quoting back to Deuteronomy. Jesus became our curse. He removes our sin, the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, he takes our sin from us. He purifies us and makes us as white as snow. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the new is come. Paul sums up the the blessings in this passage in verse 14. Look at verse 14. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. This is good news. And, and, and sounds like what we read last week when we talked about the Spirit and the week before when we talked about the Spirit. By faith, God blesses us and he blessed Abraham. How? Jesus became sin for us. He became our curse. He took our place. He was our substitute. I love this verse, 2 Corinthians 5.21. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Instead of the word curse, they use the word sin. It says this, For our sake, for our sake, for your sake, he, became, he made him, God made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin. He was perfect. 
so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And maybe you don't feel righteous, but in Christ you are. Uh, there's a children's b- uh, book, a series called The Chronicles of Narnia. It's laced with wonderful truths. And in the first book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, there are four children who are in this magical land of Narnia. Susan, Lucy, Peter, and Ed, uh, Edmund. Edmund uh, he loves these Turkish delights that this woman gave him, and she turns out to be a witch. And those lovely treats were a tool to enslave him. And he exchanged his freedom for slavery. And he, he, wants, he wants to get away. And he gets away. He's on the good side. He's with the good guys. And the witch has drawn up her battle line. And you had the good guys here and the bad guys there. And the witch wants to parley with the good. Wants a conference. A little, some peace talks. And Aslan, who's the good character, the, the good king in, of the land, this mysterious king, con- has a conference. And they meet and they talk. And, and everyone's shocked. What is he doing? Talking to the white witch. What in the world? Edmund's cowering. What's going to happen? They disperse. Edmund's saved. The white witch doesn't have claim on him. He's free. How? What happened? Does the law of the land said he was the witches? What happened? And if you've read the story, you know the story. Aslan exchanged himself for Edmund. He was the substitute, the perfect for the imperfect, the holy for the unholy, the good for the wicked. Aslan took his place. The, he was the Christ figure in Narnia. And in the same way, we were enemies with God. Christ, knowing that, gave himself for us. Why? Galatians 2.20. Because he loves us. He took our curse. No, he, he became our curse. He suffered. He paid our debt. He is our righteousness, brothers and sisters. He is our hope. This passage concludes with one final blessing that we will just dip into and only later, then we'll see more of the glory of of what it's saying. In verse 14, look at verse 14. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that what? We might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. You see, in the Old Testament, we think of the, the Holy Spirit sometimes in the category of strange out there. It is not. He is not. And we think of it as a New Testament. It is not. He is not. The Holy Spirit has always existed. The Holy Spirit's in the New Old Testament as well. And if I found this passage uh, is studying t- in Isaiah 44 that looks forward. The Jews were looking forward to God's presence intimately with them in, in the form of the Spirit. And 44 verses 1 through 5 are just this beautiful imagery that has all this Old Testament connotation. So read this, listen to this. Isaiah 44 verses 1 through 5. But now hear, O Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen, Thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you in the womb and will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. Why? 
for I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They shall spring up among the grass like willows by flowering streams. This one will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call on the name of Jacob and another will write on his hand, the Lord's. And the name of himself, name himself by the name of Israel. This is part of our inheritance as brothers and sisters who have faith. If we believe Jesus, we are not only justified, we are not only righteous, but we have the gift of the Spirit living inside us. Instead of being cursed, we can rejoice at being blessed. The promise of blessing is to the Gentile through Abraham has come true. Why? Because of faith. Faith Faith in what? Faith in Jesus, who loved us and gave himself up for us. He became our curse and has given us his spirit into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So what is the response? What is the proper response for this turn of events? I think it's praise and honor and thanks. And so when we sing now in response to this, I'm going to pray, we can sing with vim and vigor because personally we know this is true in our heart of hearts that we are blessed, we are not cursed, we are righteous. Not because of our righteousness, because of his righteousness. And if you don't believe or have not believed, you can. You can assent in your heart right now that you are not righteous. You are a sinner. You've been selfish. You've been prideful like all of us. You've done things your way, not God's way. You've broken the law. Not just one part, but, but... Consequently, all of it, in a sense, and suffer under the curse, like the rest. And you may not feel it, but you know it's true in your heart, in your head. And if that's you, my encouragement to you is turn and trust and rely on the work of Christ and not your own. He joyfully endured the horror of of a death sentence that you might have the blessing of an eternal life sentence. He conquered death and offers you the same. If you believe, will you believe? Then join in our praise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for doing what we couldn't do, wouldn't do, haven't done. Thank you for being our curse for being our substitute. You are good, kind, loving, compassionate. You treat us not as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. We love you. And we want to love you more. We want to be unhindered in our love for you. Use this time. Hear our praises. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like more information about Sawyer Highlands Church and Converge Community Church and the service times for both campuses, please visit our website at www.sawyerhighlands.org. Until next time, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing 
so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.